Hello, my friends around the world. Welcome to another episode of The Gun Show presented by MTD Global. I am really grateful, really honored to be with a good friend of mine, Don Grant, who is the National Application Engineer at Harvey Performance Company. I've known Dan for a few years now, worked on a lot of projects with him when I was with Air Turbine and even a little bit while I was at Fifth Axis. Don has always remained a, st- remained a steady person in my life, full of wisdom, humor, and what a character this guy is. This is the gun show. Don, thank you so much for being here. I really do appreciate you sharing your time with me every time that you do. Hey, good morning, Tony. How are you, man? <clears throat> always good to spend the mornings with Tony Gunn. Are you kidding me? Couldn't, couldn't be any better. I'm, I'm glad you had me on, and, and, and thanks for the kind introduction. Even though you threw in the word uh, uh, Dan instead of Don, that's how good of a friend you are. I appreciate that, uh, you know, which is funny because most of the time I tell people my name's Don, and then mid, mid-sentence, Dan always comes out, and it's like, okay, I'm good with that, you know. Did but, I really hey, say Dan? You did say Dan, but that's oh, all right. Oh, how good. embarrassing. It's all good. It's all that's how good of a friend you are, man. You first name, it's three letters, Tony. Three letters, D-O-N. And wow. uh, you, know, you just missed uh, the O with an A. But no, it's all good. Hey, hey, Tony, great. Uh, you know, I appreciate you having me on and a great introduction. And and it's always good to talk engineering. It's always good to talk cutting tools. It's always good to talk anything that we can do in this industry to help educate the new people that are coming into the industry to help educate the people that have been doing it for a while and and maybe give them some insight that they didn't know or some insight that we can give experience and then help with the people that have been doing it for years that are maybe on the exit that are getting out of the industry but just want to make their life a little bit easier on that exit slide. You know what I'm saying? Why go out hard if you can make it easier by understanding something a little bit better? Why not, why not take these podcasts and, and see if there's just some, some takeaway that you can get from it? So, yeah, great. I'm, I'm excited to, 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 to wrap with you for a little bit, to talk engineering, to talk cutting tools, and, and answer any questions you might have. Yeah, well, there's certainly no, no lack of wisdom in you, Don, Dan. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so we'll, okay, Bill, no problem. <laughs> there you go. We'll start just throwing out names. <laughs> I've definitely been called worse. Yeah. I do apologize for that. How embarrassing. But. Something you were talking about before we got started today, which I really want to share is why does our industry have to be boring? Why do we always have to be about numbers? Why can't we be more fun and more exciting? And I know you have a ton of short stories to share. It could be it could be how you got started. It could be, you know, some of the work that you've gotten into today. But instead of just speaking numbers, which I know you, you can do very, very well. I also love the fun side of you. And let's let's share a little bit of that side of Mr. Don Grant. Oh, of course, of course. So, you know, listen, Tony, and, and the year 2020, which we all just want to push to the side, right? How many uh, webinars and roundtables and not even podcasts, but just informative training exercises have we all sat through, whether it's because our companies asked us to sit through them or whatever. And what we were talking is, you know, let's say you have two or three monitors in your office. You always put that webinar on monitor two and you're doing your work on monitor one. Why do these things have to be so 
boring? Why do cutting tools? And I'm not saying everybody, listen, and this is one thing that I'm trying to bring to our company, Harvey Performance. We're, we're, we're starting to put some programs together that is exactly what me and you are talking about. Why do they have to be boring? Why can't they be entertaining? Why can't there be some insight in there? Why can't there be the, 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 the hardships and think, why can't some of that be funny and entertaining? You know, it, it doesn't have to be read from a script. You know, that's one of the things that bugs me when people do a webinar. It's read, and I understand that not everybody's good at public speaking. It, it's just how it is. And to stay on point, you have to write a script. Well, this is my opinion on writing scripts, Tony, right? This, this, my personal opinion. And this is why when you ever watch any one of my webinars or anything I do training on, I don't write a script. And the reason I don't write a script on cutting tools is because it's locked in my head, right? It's in my brain. All this stuff is from pure experience, from theory, from science. I've done it for so long that it's really just having a conversation about what you know versus trying to write it down to make sure you hit all the points. And I think if you speak and you have those conversations about what you know versus write it down to make sure you hit all the points, it's a lot more entertaining, right? It's, it comes across a lot more where you're understanding. And I think you can talk to a level where people are like, you know, dude, I get that. I, I get that. It totally makes sense. So, you know, we're going to try and do over at Harvey Performance what I'm trying to do to bring in and what you're doing with this podcast, hopefully, is just make it more entertaining. I mean, let's let's make it something that you want to listen to, not that you have to listen to because you need to get that three minutes of important information because you're breaking end mills, right? You want to you want to learn something, but also be entertained at the same time. And I think that's what's going to make people tune in. It's going to make them remember you. It's going to make make them remember the company that you're actually representing. And and it's just going to change the industry a little bit. And we ha- and listen, we have guys in the industry that do that, right? We have John Saunders, which we both know, who, who's a great guy, very entertaining. Uh, you know, Titan Gilroy, which who, who does a great job, you know, and stuff like that. But they're they're also mixed in with these webinars where it's like, you know, make a sandwich. I'll come back in ten minutes, you know, and. Uh, <laughs> It, and it's, it, trust me, it's not directed at anybody specifically. I will never call out any competitors. I'll never call out anybody else, you know, but come on, let's be, let's be honest, right? I mean, you know, you sleep for half of it and then you, you pick out the five minutes of it. And why does it have to be that way? It doesn't. My opinion, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've hit on a lot of subjects that I want to dive further into. Um, webinars being one of them because of, I mean, we were working together when this COVID situation kind of first shut everyone down. We were doing um, actual physical uh, symposiums going from OEM to OEM across the country with Harvey Tool and Air Turbine and Autodesk and and, um, Fifth Axis and hopping across the country with OEM, the Methods guys, the Haas guys. And immediately when everyone was shut down, we took our platform over to the webinar platform. And I know the discussion was, Guys, let's do this quickly because it's immediately going to get saturated because at the moment, that's what our industry knows. And there's just going to become so overwhelming that nobody's going to want to pay attention. So I'm with you. My mind 
is yeah. in knots at the moment when it comes to webinar stuff and just how many there are and the redundancy of it. And, you know, what can we do to make it more creative and more watchable and more fun? You know, is there a way? I don't know. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't, but something, a conversation like you and I have will certainly come up with something, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, well, the wisdom that you have, uh, it obviously comes from years of doing it, owning your own shop. I know that already. Maybe some of the guys out there don't, so we can talk a little bit about that. Uh, as well and then just the entertaining aspect of everything that's going on you mentioned why do we have to be so serious all the time why is why is engineering so serious and you know I was thinking about that pondering a little bit while you were talking and I wonder if some of that comes from the fact that a lot of the world kind of looks up to the engineer products that come from places like Germany and Japan, and they're very serious about their marketing plans. And if you're not serious, then your product's not serious. But I believe that we can do both. I believe that we can have one hell of a lot of fun, but also do what we need to do technically to create one hell of a product. Yeah. Yeah, Tony, if you're not an entrepreneur, if you don't own your own company, you have to work for somebody, right? And and the things that make us want to stay working for a company is to have that aspect of fun and entertainment, right? Within the company you work for. We spend more time, you know, working for companies than we do actually being home. So why does why does that have to be boring? And and listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a plug here because I work for a great company, Harvey Performance Company, and they are allowing me to do these things that you know, listen, we, we, we hit the bricks when we need to, we, we get there, we get at, you know, we're one of the top solid round cutting tool companies, in my opinion, in the world, even though we don't normally sell overseas, but we have fun, man. And if you can take those employees, put them into an environment where you can have some fun and sell some high quality cutting tools, it's a killer combination because the guys are just going to represent that as they're out in the field. So, you know, why does it, why does it have to be straight lace? Why does, I mean, you know, we, we have to be ethical and, and that's understanding. We have to have morals and we have to be careful what we say. We know that, especially in this world today, right? We have to be PC. PC does not mean boring, right? PC does not mean that we can't go have some fun, right? I mean, some of my best friends, you included, you know, at, at the relationship we build, is you don't have to build a relationship in the sales industry and in the cutting tool industry based on what you can get from somebody, what they're buying from you. If you truly make them your friend, then you're going to have that respect from them that they're going to buy from you, number one, because they trust you, number two, because they like you, right? And and in number three, because you're a heck of a lot of fun to hang around with, right? So So if you can put those three things together, and uh, build those relationships with your customer. I mean, it's it's just, it's fun. You, you see customers, you have fun. And you shouldn't be nervous to knock on a door. You shouldn't be scared to make a phone call. You know what I'm saying? You shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't be um, just hesitant to press a cycle start button because you're trying to show somebody what they're doing. You should go in with confidence. And I think one of the keys that has made me successful and I'll get back to the backstory of how, because it's it's a rough story to where I got today. And I'm fortunate to be where I am in cutting tools today. But, but you know, th- there, there are certain keys that we can take away that'll help us be more successful at the customer and sales. And, and the biggest thing is confidence, right? Confidence. Learn as much as you can about the industry. 
which is exactly what you're doing with this platform and this forum, right? And we're going to talk specific. I hope we're going to talk specifics about cutting tools because I don't want to just talk. Everybody's like, well, this guy's, you know, uh, pretty uh, uh, high winded, but, but I haven't heard any, I, I haven't heard anything that's going to help me come out of his mouth yet. But hey, listen, you want to talk cutting tools, trust me, I'll give out my phone number, call me anytime. You know me, Tony, we could talk for hours. And, uh, you know, I got some friends that'll back that up. But you, you have to have the confidence when you walk into a machine shop. I don't care what you're selling. If you're selling tool holding, if you're selling high speed spindles, if you're selling cutting tools, whatever it is, learn the product, know the product, understand what that product's going to act like, understand the surroundings of the product. So if you're selling cutting tools, you better understand what that holder is going to act like. You better understand what that machine tool is going to do. You better understand the RPM, the torque curve. You better understand what coolant concentration is in there, whether it's semi-synthetic, synthetic, whether it's oil. You better understand all those aspects because if you're selling the one component that you're trying to do that's going to, you know, in your industry, if you understand what all those, the tool path, right? If you understand what all those things are going to do, you're going to stand out to all of your competition, right? Because the guy that's just walking in, that's looking in the back of his catalog, right? Saying, hey, my company says run it like this, but doesn't understand all those other aspects. You have the advantage. You got the foot forward. I mean, you're, you're going to walk out of there. Even, even if you fail, even if you fail, you're going to have a better chance to get a second opportunity because of the way you presented yourself when you were in there. So it's not just walking in going, here's a tool. Hope it works. Oh, it didn't work. Have a good day because now you left an impression, right? Tony, you left an impression that guy's like, well, there's no, the guy's not bringing any value. He didn't understand the whole process. He just gave me a tool. It didn't work. And he walked out. But if you start talking those things and asking the coolant concentration and understanding and kind of educating, I kind of do that when I actually do my national applications. I kind of educate the guys I'm working with, with all these things. And, and, and it's, it's actually enlightening when you see their eyebrows go up and they're like, and all of a sudden they open the notebook. Seriously, I've, I've done that. And they open the notebook and they start writing down, okay, 8% on this. All right, coolant constant. All right. And they're writing these things down. So even if you have competition following you, you know, you, you have an advantage because you're, you're, you're training. And they, they look at you as a reliable resource, not just the cutting tool guy. So, you know, long-winded, there you go. See, but. Well, uh, I've definitely utilized you as my cutting source guy cutting tool source guy for a while at harvard performance um i just kind of want to reiterate everything you just said uh but from a perspective of how i had to go through it as well and where i would utilize you very often and why we started working together um at air turbine you know twenty-five thousand to ninety thousand rpm and a lot of time we would or they now would work with um harvard performance now you mentioned it already. What's your tool holder going to do? What's your cooling going to be like? What's the rigidity of the vice that the parts in? Not that you really need that for micro machining, but you definitely don't want it to vibrate in any way because it'll break, right? What's sure. the tool path that's going to be utilized? And then again, although we they utilize Harvey Performance a lot, there's a lot of other cutting brands out there. So when you go to a, a customer and you don't get to pick, 
we're now dealing with either an unknown in mill brand or somewhat known, but maybe not one of the partners. Right. And so I knew that there was always going to be a, a, a comfortable and as you mentioned, confident place where I could start. But then we would always override that feed rate or change those depth of cuts based on all the other components you mentioned and how significant a two flute versus a three flute versus an oil versus, you know, an oil coolant versus, you know, whatever work holding we have, so on and so forth. Those adjustments were made, but there was a confident point to go in to create that relationship to say, okay, there is value here. I know we can create success here, but how much success can we create is still to be determined. So yeah. yeah, exactly to your point. Yeah, Tony, and the competition out there is crazy, right? I mean, there are some great cutting tool companies. There's there's some great, you know, machine tool companies, the great holder companies and everything else. So you have to be smarter than your company. You have to do your homework. You have to get up earlier in the morning. You have to read an article, maybe after hours, right? I mean, there's there's certain things we have to do to be smarter than our competition. And I I feel you know, I've done that in my career, which is why I got to the point I'm at is just from experience, right? There's really three things that we can take away from anything the way I, I always explain it, right? We have science, right? We have the science of how something's going to work. We have the theory, right, of how it's going to work. And then the ultimate, which is we have the experience of actually getting to do that over and over and over again. So if you can take all three of those things, if you can take the science, throw it with the theory, and then use your experience. Oh, you're 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 dangerous, man. You know what I'm saying? Yes, you're, sir. You're, you're you're dangerous because this is what I love with talking cutting tools. Is guys and, and ladies out there, and I love this. There's a lot of, and I wanted to bring that up. There's a lot of women getting in and cutting tools, and a lot of very um, uh, smart people out there that are actually doing this. But folks, when when you're out there doing this, the science doesn't always work. Okay. The theory, the theory is great for a starting point, but guess what? You know, there's a big buzzer on that one sometimes. So that experience, putting all three together, that's why when I'm saying these webinars and, you know, people are talking about the science and they're talking about the theory and this is how it should cut and your deflection, the diameter ratio is going to, you know, uh, for every uh, one tenth that your tool is running out, you're going to lose 10% tool life. Theory right? <laughs> is that actual? Yeah, probably not. Depending on the chip load, depending on the diameter. Oh, if you have three teeth in cut versus two teeth in cut, your pressure of your tool is going to be less. Therefore, you're going to get better tool life. Eh, depends what my core is. You know, if I have three teeth versus two, if I have a larger core on three teeth, then I might not put as much tool pressure as two. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's just knowing how those materials and everything are going to react to that tool. And a lot of that comes from experience and this podcast and these training things are helping the people that are starting out in this industry, you know, not make as many mistakes as we did. Right. I am. I start all my webinars out by, you know, what qualifies me to train you on how to use cutting tools. Uh, I broke a lot of cutting tools. That's how, (laughs) Okay. And I have my own business like you had talked for 10 years. So it's not breaking cutting tools for somebody else that's buying them. It's it's breaking cutting tools when you're writing the check. And when that happens, you get smart pretty quick, right? You get educated 
pretty quick on how to use uh, use this cutting tool. So if we can help educate people that are using tools now, you know, it's it's just great. It's just great. I really enjoy it. I, I wouldn't do anything else. I really wouldn't. And if you ever work with me and you have a conversation, oh man, I'll tell you, I, I get phone calls all the time. I just got one the other day. Uh, we have a brand new program we just launched for, it's called SG21, Tony. Uh, it's AR-15, uh, material specific end mills designed for optimized performance it's in stock. Great program. Anyway, long story short wow. is I'm getting these calls from just random people all over the country that have a question uh, about one specific issue that they're having. Oh man, I, I, I'll yell to the wife and ask her to make me a sandwich, you know, because we're, we're in for, you know, and I have to keep asking. I'm like, okay, you all right with this? Because again, what I'm trying to do is not just tell them what to do. I'm, I'm you know, what, give them, give them a man a fish, feed them for a day, right? Teach a man a fish, feed them for a lifetime. So if I just tell them, hey, try this tool and run at these speeds and feeds and hang out the phone, if they have an issue with that application, then there's another phone call, right? And there's another, you know, but if you explain to them what's going on, what's happening, why they're getting the issue, whether it's chip evacuation or anything else, then they can run through two or three different scenarios that I've just explained. And most of the time they, they fix the issue without calling back. Like they'll say, hey, listen, what you told me didn't work. But then I, I remember you said that, you know, if I take a lighter axial here, that that might change this and I might be able to get the chips out. And I did that or I moved my coolant lines because you said that they might not be flushing the chips and that actually fixed it. So it's, uh, yeah, if you call me, have a notebook, maybe a tape recorder, <laughs> you know, and listen, if I'm getting too winded, tell me to shut the heck up. You know, I'm all right with that. That's okay. Nobody's ever told you that before, right? Oh, my wife, plenty of times. My kids. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You were going over the uh, the uh, concepts of, of creating success and, you know, science and engineering and technology. And all this time, I've, I've just been feeding people tequila and gathering their information. That's I, what you do. Take them to the bar. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And then, and then back to having fun, uh, I think. Uh, that's what a lot of us miss about the trade shows at the moment, right? It's because that's yeah. what we used to do is get together and goof off and create those relationships and, and have a bit of fun. Tony, if you remember, I met you at a trade show. Uh, re remembering might be a difficult thing at some of those yes. trade shows, but well, maybe it was a tequila. I don't know, <laughs> but I could never forget you, my friend. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. Well, you had mentioned keys to success. You know, I have a, I have a few things out there for people that are starting out because I was not that guy, right? Uh, I mean, I'll just give you a little background on me when I started out in this industry, right? So, uh, you know, I had one of those fathers that was a welder, you know, started welding when he was 16, you know, dropped out of high school. One of the, you know, had the calluses on his hands. Great, great childhood. I had a great childhood. I was mentor. You know, we talk about influencers and everybody looks at influencers as people on TikTok and people on Instagram. Well, you know what? The real true influencers are, are your mom, your dad, your mentors, your good friends, your, your siblings. Those, those are influencers, true influencers. And then everybody else is just 
teaching you how to uh, how to bake a uh, you know uh, a chair in the oven with you know or something ridiculous like that or how to do the wave in your kitchen or or you know turn on the sink and spray somebody with water but but you know the true influencers of that so so some of the keys from me growing up again 18 years old my parents told me listen you got two choices go to college which we're not paying for you know or get a job and put in your 40, 50, 60 hours. Well, it just so happened that one of the largest companies that was 20 minutes from my house was a company called Precision Twist Drill, which a lot of people would probably be familiar with if they're in this industry. My brother had already been working there for a year. So I went to work for Precision Twist Drill. And my background is in uh, manufacturing management and then manufacturing. So I started making cutting tools at the age of 18. So I started working at Precision Twist Drill for years, 13 years in total, I actually worked there. Ran every operation throughout making a drill, mainly started in high-speed steel and then got into carbide, but I ran every operation from doing the flats, the tang, the fluting, the relieving, the pointing, the grinding, the notching, you know, to, to, to running anchor machines, Walter machines, and I cut my teeth on how to make these tools. And uh, in that time, which you'll probably find really strange, you know, or, or not understand this, but I'm gonna explain it anyway. Within that time of me actually making cutting tools, I worked third shift. And what do you think, Tony, I might've done during the day uh, versus uh, uh, working making cutting tools? Uh, I went to school for broadcasting, <laughs> believe uh, it or not. Really? Yes, I went to Columbia School of Broadcasting in downtown Chicago. That's what I did. I learned to edit. Uh, I did some mock uh, uh, tapes. And then I got a job working for a company called WMOI, Monmouth, Illinois, and doing radio for six months. So I actually was in radio. That, that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to entertain. See, this is kind of goes back. We're going full circle here, right? Why does cutting tools... Yeah, right. Why does cutting tools? Why can't you entertain and do and 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 educate and the same thing? And so, you know, I went to I went to Columbia School of Broadcasting, got a degree in broadcasting, but was so good at making cutting tools and asked to stick around, work my way up into management. Then from there, I was GM of a company actually running precision machining. So now we had mills, lathes, grinders. And so I learned how to program after learning how to make cutting tools, started my own business for 10 years, modifying cutting tools, reconditioning cutting tools, resharpening cutting tools, and doing precision machining. And then fortunate enough to take all that experience and put it into what I do now at Harvey Performance, educate the public solve problems at the spindles for companies like, you know, Pratt and Whitney's and the Boeing's and, and, and even some of the smaller companies and take that education and just uh, make sure that other people don't make some of the same mistakes I did. So keys to success throughout that whole progress of working up the corporate ladder. Here it is. Come into work early, stay late, volunteer for projects, even if you don't know how to do them. I'm going to tell you right now, put the, you know, that whole theory, never put the cart before the horse. I built a career on putting the cart before the horse. Tony. 
hey, Don, could you uh, program this uh, brand new uh, Eurotech machine over here and uh, fourth axis? Oh, yeah, I could do that. Oh, you sure? Because it's a new project that we're going to have. Yeah, I could do that. And then I'm at home reading every manual there is on Eurotech fourth axis or programming so I can go in and do it. But trust me, it helps. You know, I'm, I'm not advocating running over, you know, running a machine that you don't understand. But I am advocating that, you know, step outside the comfort zone. Right, Tony? I mean, even if you're doing a training or, you know, you got to you get in front of a bunch of people, step outside that comfort zone take on something that you maybe wouldn't do because it's going to force you to do it. And then that's one more thing you're sticking on your resume. It's one more thing you're adding to your value, you know, and, and you wouldn't have done it because your brand's going to say, I don't know how to do that. And you're, and you're not going to do it because you don't have to, but listen, if you volunteer for it and you have to, and people are relying on you, guess what? You have to learn it. You forced, you tricked your brain into figuring it out. And believe it or not, I do that to this day. I, I don't know everything. I wish I did. Maybe my, my uh, superiors do. I'll bet my manager thinks I know everything. But maybe I got him buffaloed too, and he's probably going to listen to this. But believe it or not, he'll give me a project. Oh, yeah, I know how to do that. Oh, that material? Sure. Yeah, I've cut it a million times. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll take that project on. But, but if you don't do that, you don't stretch your limits, and then you get a little bit stagnant. And there's no reason why you can't take a career like cutting tools. And, and it's not a job. It's a career. I mean, don't take it as a job. You know, don't take anything as a job. I don't care if you work at McDonald's, if you work at Home Depot, do the best you can. That's what I instill in, in my kids. Do the best you can. And if that's what you want to do, then move all the way up that ladder until you're running a Home Depot. I think that's really, really great advice, Don. Um, you know, I was... I was going to answer your question a while back, but then you got on a really great roll and I didn't want to interrupt yeah. you. I was just going to guess sleeping after working third shift, yeah. but, but to go back to school and continually learn more, that's impressive on its own. Yeah. Well, so see, sleep wasn't a thing for you. I'll tell you what, there were some days, you know, cause I was pretty young back then. And, and let's just say I was not, uh, not the kid that sat and read books when I got home, you know, sorry about that. Oh, that's all right. I'm having a, a fire alarms over here. You got the phone <laughs> ringing. This is this is how an authentic podcast should be. It should go like we, that. Right? We have life going on is what's happening. And we get to talk to each other at the same time. And if possible, maybe create some inspiration and, and awareness. Well, work work does not stop ever. Right. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop for us. It doesn't stop for anybody. And the world's going to keep turning. So, yeah, let's uh, let's uh, let's just embrace it is the way I say but, but like I said, as I, yeah, I, so third shift, I did it for three years, you know, and I think everybody should, you know, if they're, if they're just coming up through the industry and they're younger, you know, you should do things you're uncomfortable with and working third shift was horrible, but it also let me move up into the management role because when you work third shift and you do a great job with the company, there's not as, there's not as much competition with supervisors, leads. So you will become, you know, a lead a little bit quicker than you will on a first shift because everybody wants to be a supervisor on first shift, right? So it did help me propel my career to actually start, you know, managing people and actually giving more input on what I thought was, uh, you know, the right way to do things and, and uh, get a little bit more respect. So working third shift was great, but there were several times I had like a 30 minute drive to get home. 
Tony. And uh, yeah, 15 minutes. I, I was pulling over, parking lot, wow. cat napping. It's a bit scary. Well, it's usually because I didn't sleep the night before, but that was my own fault. And, yeah, you uh, were in school, you know, studying other yeah, things, yeah, apparently. Sleep it. wasn't a thing. That's well, it. this show is about you, but I'm going to share a little bit uh, as Please. well, uh, just based on because I uh, agree and, and and it resonates what you're saying. Um, one of the more I don't know if it was difficult or it became I became appreciative after a while. But speaking of your third shift situation, I for about nine months took on the position of a traffic foreman on a road crew for like highway construction, asphalt, that kind of thing. Right. So my mm -hmm. job was. Uh, laying out the flares and the traffic cones and directing traffic. And and it was uh, from about 5 p.m. until whenever we finished, which was usually between three in the morning and five or six in the morning. And that's when we were picking everything up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was a bit uncomfortable to take that shift and, and to do that job. And um, it wasn't something I at all went to school for uh, whatsoever, but the pay was good. The experience was good. And while doing that, again, just to rip me out of my comfort zone and still to this day, one of the scariest things I ever had to do, Don, was as the traffic foreman, after we laid out the cones, you just imagine a highway, any highway, 60, 70, 80 miles an hour, um, straight line, uh, cones in the middle of the road, and you're, you know, getting cars on one side and you're working on the other side. At the end of the night, you got to pick those cones up and you don't pick them up one by one by walking beside it and throwing it into a truck. You have a driver who was myself in reverse with two or three guys on the back, grabbing those cones, scooping them up and throwing them into the back of the truck while we're going in reverse and cars are going the opposite way at 60, yeah. 70, 80 miles an hour. I swear to you, the first night I did it, I must have been going half a mile an hour. I was so oh. scared, thought for sure I was going to kill the guys on the back. <laughs> But after the first few weeks, I can't remember exactly how long I had that pedal to the floor and we could yep. whip up those cones. I mean, in five minutes or less. So we're talking like miles of cones. Right. So, yeah. yes, scariest things often lead to the greatest rewards. And I 100 percent agree with you. They do. Absolutely. And, and it's good to step outside that comfort zone. You have to. You have to. But uh, but no, I mean, it's been a great industry has been a great career for me. I mean, fortunate enough that, like I said, I started in cutting tools when I was 18 years old, uh, just to let you know, 1987, in case you're wondering, that's uh, <laughs> yeah, that's how old I am. That's how long you're a I've young been man, a young, yeah, man. it's like 33 years, but, but the fortunate thing for me, fortunate, unfortunate, I don't know. You can look at it two ways, right? Glasses half empty. The glasses half full. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I heard a joke the other day. It says, how does an engineer look at the, what would an engineer say that the glass is half empty or glass is half full? An engineer would look at that and say, you need a small glass, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but if it doesn't matter if you, how you look at it, you know, I mean, you, you just have to have to take, take what you do seriously. You have to excel at it. You, you have to, you have to do more than the eight hours. You do, you really do. And within those eight hours, you have to, you know, learn and soak up as much as you can from mentors and, and from people that maybe are, have more experience, maybe know the science, know the theory and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's a great industry. I'm, I'm very happy to be in it. And I'm very happy to work for a great company too. I've been with this company for over five years. And when I just, just to let you know, you know, how I feel about Harvey performance and, and, uh, you know, everything they've done for my career is, I closed my business. I, I took a job with one of my customers, Greenfield Industries, um, down in, in South Carolina. I took a job. 
I was there. It wasn't a good fit. It just wasn't a good fit. And I had a lot of experience and I had a lot to give. Great company, no argument. So I went down there eight months. It just wasn't a good fit. From there, I went down to Florida, believe it or not. I think Tony's from Florida. So I actually lived in Florida, Kissimmee. I lived in Kissimmee for 10 months. I worked for MSC Industrial as a metalworking specialist, trying to use my experience. Not Disney. What's it? You know what? Well, hold on a second. Disney was my customer. I was in Disney three days a week at the machine shops. No kidding. So I was actually um, helping them with their efficiencies at, at Walt Disney World machine shop. So I would go there three days a week. And the great thing and the great story about that was uh, go to Walt Disney on a Friday afternoon at 2.30 and try and get home by seven at night. It's just, you, that is a nightmare. I can only imagine. Nightmare. But it, it was funny. So I went to MSC and then, you know, I moved back uh, to Chicago because our kids were up here in Chicago. So me and the wife moved back up to Chicago. I worked for Regal Cutting Tools for a short time, went back to MSC because they had an opening. And uh, these were all short jumps. And, and they were short jumps, not because they were bad companies, not because they weren't, you know, up to standards or something. They just were not a good fit. They weren't a good fit with my experience, with my education, with what, you know, they wanted me to do. So I was fortunate enough to meet a a gentleman by the name of Scott Tian, which I think, you know, who I used to work with at Precision Twist. I met him because I was trying to get the brand Helical Solutions at MSC and, and they weren't an open line. So I sat down, had lunch with him. We had a great conversation and you know, me and Scott kind of friended up again. And one day Scott comes up to me and he goes, what are you, what are you doing selling, you know, toilet paper and paper towels? <laughs> but, you know, because that's part of the MSC. I was, you know, not that I was pushing that, but uh, it's kind of a crappy job, but I sell toilet paper anyway, but, but. That uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Ta-dum>, boom. <laughs> but boom, yeah, right. So he goes, what are you, what are you doing selling that? He goes, you need to be in cutting tools you know, which is where I needed to be. And so he hired me up. It was when Harvey Performance had bought Helical Solutions. And uh, I actually met with uh, Pete Jenkins, who is the the owner of the company. A lot of people don't understand the structure. Pete's uh, uh, Pete's the owner of the company, um, CFO. I think he's CFO. But one of the, oh, geez. I mean, hope he listens to this and, and, and he's not my boss directly. But I'll tell you what, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't, uh, have a better guy to be overseeing, you know, Harvey performance. You just couldn't. I mean, talk about the conversations me and you are having right now and the conversations I have with everybody else. You can sit down with this guy and, and just have those conversations and feel like there, there's no hierarchy. There's no level. You know what I mean? It's just, Hey, you want to grab a beer? What's going on? And uh, just one of the most intelligent, you know, guys I've, I've ever met. And uh, you know, part of the reason yeah, I took the job. Probably part of the reason I'm still here is the the community, the culture that he's created throughout. You know, this company is pretty good. But um, you know, Scott hired me, and I've been with this company for five and a half years. So, what does that say about the fit, right? So, so if you can learn anything from this, you know, let's go back to you. Got to have the experience. You got to be able to talk to talk. Let's not let's not be 22 and walk in and think you can 
You know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm going to be honest, right? Let's not walk in at 22 and, th- and, you know, puff out your chest and say, I need to be an executive manager at this point. But if you have the experience, you have a proven track record, um, you can get the results, okay? Uh, you, you have a good reputation in the industry. You have a good work, work ethic. By all means, find the job that fits. Find the one that's going to make all the time you spend at the company, you know, worthwhile because you know we only get one life we only get uh, so many careers so why not enjoy what you do why not enjoy what you're who you're working with you know and our team we got 19 outside sales guys uh i i would i would hang out with any one of them any one of them any day even if i didn't work for the company and i think that's a good judge of, of how you meet your customers you know, we look, we look at customers, Tony, like, Hey, they're giving me, I need these guys, right? I need them because they're, they're, they're giving me business. And then that business provides for my family and that's how I pay. So, you know, there's that certain customer vendor relationship, but look at a customer, look at the guy or the, the, the person that you're meeting as would I hang out with this guy if, if he wasn't buying my product. I, I do that in my head all the time. I do all, all the time. I go, would I hang out with this person if they weren't buying my product? And when you get that yes in your head, that whole dynamic changes. The whole dynamic, I'm telling you, that whole dynamic will change of how that relationship goes. But if you keep that relationship, and, and don't get me wrong, there's people in the industry that I don't want to hang out with. Okay. I, I don't want to have a conversation with outside of work. I had a couple of vendors when I had my business that go, Hey, do you want to go to a Cubs game? You know, I'm from Chicago. Of course. They're like, Hey, do you want to go Cubs game? I got two tickets. You want to go? And I'm like, uh, yeah, if you give me the two tickets, I don't want to go with you, but, <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll take, I'll take my wife or somebody. But if, but if you can truly, you know, just say, Hey, listen, I would hang out with this, this guy outside of, if I, if he wasn't buying product from me, it's it's a different dynamic and it's kind of liberating to be honest with you it's kind of freeing because you don't feel like that pressure is there and and you can have those conversations so another key in my opinion in the sales game or the application game you know is is obviously knowing your stuff knowing the dynamic understanding being confident but also looking at that person like like uh, um, having that relationship makes it a lot more comfortable yeah, I agree. And you touched on a lot of subjects, subjects done. One I would like to revisit, and you kind of came full circle on it, which was perfect, was you mentioned, um, you know, you got to work more than eight hours in a day kind of a thing, which led you to, you got to love your job, which led you to, it needs to be a good fit, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, 100% with you. All of that is so important. If we're going to do something like we're doing, or like anyone's doing, when it comes to work, so often where the awake hours of the day are, are spent more at work than with our own family, then yes, there will be sacrifices made, but let's not sacrifice them to the point where we're miserable. Let's find some things that we love about our character and personality and dive into that because the opportunity is there. And a piece of the, the gun show podcast is hopefully creating curiosity where curiosity doesn't exist right now. Meaning those people who see the cars and and planes and phones and, you know, medical breakthroughs have no idea how it's made. So maybe we can create, Oh, well, 
well, there's a curiosity now and an awareness. Okay, well, let me research that a bit more. Oh, wow. I didn't know that playing with robots was going to be very similar to playing my Xbox. I didn't know that trying to beat my cycle time on my CNC machine was going to be like beating the score on my PlayStation. So there's a lot of similarities in a lot of worlds where people can find a passion, I believe, in ours because we could use some more good people in our industry. But also, I want to dive right back into your point where we must do what we love because we will be doing that a lot. And I haven't, I know you haven't either, but I haven't worked an eight-hour shift in years, if not decades at this point. But I love what I do, and I know you do as well. And that passion comes through every time you talk about it. Yeah. And you don't, and and I'll bet Tony, you don't look at the day and hours anymore. Do you? It's just a day, right? You're you're not looking at it in how many hours I don't, I don't look at, Oh, well, I got to put my eight hours in. Right. Or I got it. It's just part of the day. You know, you have so many hours in the day. It's part of the day. So you're, you're, you're filling this, this day up. And when you can actually take the hours out of it and not look at it, how many hours did I put in? How many hours do I have to work? And more just look at it. This is just part of my routine. It's part of my day. I'm going to hang out with my buddies, right? I'm going to hang out with my friends. I'm going to hang out with my mentors. I'm going to learn a little bit. I'm going to get educated. We're going to have some fun. I'm going to make some tools. I'm going to do some certain things. You know, that's that. That's where you need to get to. And I'm going to tell you right now from my experience, and, and it's not everybody that can do that. If it's not there, find something else find something else. Truly, truly. And you can, a lot of these young kids can, can learn from some of us older ones, seasoned ones, not older, Good some of us seasoned ones by just saying, you know, we, we learn the hard way. I mean, you know, we've done things that, that, you know, we wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't normally stay as long just because it was a paycheck and don't, don't take a job for a paycheck. But Tony, I want to go back just a, a second. And you touched on one thing, that I've always had in my mind. And I'm going to, I'm going to launch this right now with you and see if you want to take it further. Okay. All right, let's do I it. had this, I had this idea a while ago and it's the things kind of like Titan Gilroy is doing and promoting manufacturing because there's this, there's always been this persona of what manufacturing is. Right. So I wanted to start this thing called MFM. Okay. MFM, a foundation, a program or whatever. And it stands for, Mothers for Manufacturing. And let me explain. It's a lot of the parents, the mothers that are pushing their kids towards college, right? Pushing their kids for the career. They want the best for those kids, whether it be an office, an executive job, a clean job, a desk job, a tie, a suit. And I think there's a lot of parents still in the industry and mothers have a influencers, right? We talked about influence. Who's the biggest influencer in most families? It's, it's, it's the mother. It's the mom, right? We all mama's boy, right? Mama's girl, whatever it is. So if you could get this program and maybe a committee or a group of mothers that get the tours of the shops, the Pratt & Whitney's, the Boeing's, the epoxy coated floors, the DMG Mori's with the big glass cases, the robotic machines with people walking around with lab coats, which, which we know it's true, right? There's a lot of people in the industry that are actually doing manufacturing in lab coats. In these huge lunchrooms, workout facilities, 
and get these mothers or this program to understand this and have them pushing, right, the youth of, of, of tomorrow about, hey, wait a minute, I'm not just thinking college, I'm thinking education. You know, maybe, maybe we need to do that separation of college and education, right, Tony? Think about it, right? We always associate college with education. And if you want education, you have to go to college. Well, education is so much more than college, right? And, and so if we can look at manufacturing as education, right? And, and, you know, trade schools or, you know, technical colleges or even uh, internships or whatever, and get these parents, mothers in particular, not that fathers are, you know, any less influential, but just that MF and get, and, and just have them maybe one tour a month, whatever this is, get these little programs throughout the country, right? And it's all from a, a central location and maybe it's funded for these tours or whatever. And, and I don't care, I'm getting crazy here. I don't care if you get a school bus, you know what I'm saying? And it's one, and you take a tour and you walk through the edge and you, you watch the, 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 the SolidWorks and the 3D programming and all these people laughing and joking and having a great time. I think the impression of the industry, and like I said, guys like, uh, you know, Titan Gilroy and, and uh, John Saunders and have, have done a great job with this, but you, you, you grab the mom, right? You, you, you grab the mom and, and you change that dynamic. You, you have, uh, you have them going, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know, maybe uh, not a bad career for you, you know, and, and look at what guys like myself and you have done in the industry of industrial manufacturing, right? I, I would, I would put myself up against not a doctor, of course, although, you know, Dr. Don does sound good, but you know, <laughs> Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Dr. Dr. Don. Dr. Dan, Dr. Don. Dr. Dan, Dr. Don. <laughs> Why can't we be a, a doctor, right? But I'll tell you what, some of the stuff I've seen made, you know, at, at the spindle is uh, pretty, uh, is, is like surgery, you know, as far as that goes, you know. But uh, it's changing the impression, I think, with, with a lot of people. And, and we're, we're heading in the right direction. But, dude, what, 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 better, what better group to go after? Than, than mothers, in my opinion. Yeah, two two points I want to add on to that because I, I love it. And, you know, you and I will brainstorm hopefully for years to come and come up with some great ideas. I wrote that down, by the way, while you were talking. I wrote down what it stood for, what it is. Um, immediately started thinking about an MFM podcast where we bring in some volunteer moms that already have their kids in the industry and the success that they've seen from their kids kind of to inspire some other moms. Um, I'm at a... a path right now where I'm trying to get into nationally, which has been very difficult, um, the school system. And I mean, from middle school and high school to give symposiums. And now I'm thinking, okay, well, I can give them to the kids, but what about the parents? Why don't we bring in the parents, these moms that you're talking about and give an educational symposium on the manufacturing world? The third point I want to make is you mentioned Dr. Don. Um, what industry, what field did the world rely on when this COVID situation hit in order to hopefully bring some sort of balance and healing. And that was the manufacturing world. I mean, yes, absolutely healthcare. Absolutely, we needed a lot of other forces, but who was creating the ventilators? Who were making the mask molds? Who were doing all of these things to help support 
from a, a very underspoken way to support everything that was going on that needed to be manufactured. So yeah, there's definitely some precision. I'm not a doctor as well. Um, obviously, you know, dentists and lawyers and all these high caliber jobs that most parents go, I want my kids to be, you know, we can name them all, you know, the, the, those suits that you were talking about. But at the same time, our position, what we do, this world that we're in, it's, and not to take away from the other ones as well, but it's incredibly honorable. It is what we do is a very honorable position, working with our hands, talking with people, and we make things. And that to me is really, really cool. Yeah, Tony, there's a reason that manufacturing was essential last year, correct? Correct. I mean, that's essential and, and we need it. And, uh, you know, if that industry can survive and thrive in a year like 2020, just think of what it can do in the future. I mean, this year's already um, picking up. It's looking brighter. Uh, it's growing like crazy. Uh, and why wouldn't you want to be in an industry that's growing, but is not the dirty old, you know what I'm saying? Yes, uh, industry that, that, that we have a perception of World War II, you know, uh, dirt floors, old uh, no ventilators. I mean, some of the mist collection systems that collect the mist or the quality of the air in these facilities are, are better than casinos. You, you know what I mean? They're, they're better than a casino. I mean, it's clean air. Every one of these tools have, have mist collectors. The coolant has been evaluated for, you know, contaminants and, and, and certain things that don't cause issues. Heck, I think there's some coolants that probably even moisturize your skin. You know, as far as that goes, <laughs> it might go. be. That certainly might, it might be at be. this point. <laughs> so the industry is, and and it's not an industry that's specific to men. It's not, you know, even though it seems to be, you know, a little bit more flooded on that end. Um, my sister is in the industry as well. My sister knows how to program GNM code. She works for an industrial supply right now. I would put my sister up against any guy when it comes to knowledge of cutting tools. When it comes to that, you know, so the industry is not just specific to young, old men, you know, women, it's, it's diverse and anybody can get into it if they just have the will to learn it, the will to understand it and to progress in it. You always got to move forward, right? Don't move backwards. And if we're all progressing and moving forward, listen, we can, we can probably take away a lot of the pain that we're going through right now currently. Yeah. I think that's great advice on a, I, I, I always love what you talk about. And it always makes me want to, you know, add just some more to it. And then you add some more to that. And it's constantly building blocks, which is what, yeah. you know, and, and then to go back to, you know, what you said about, you know, 20 minutes ago with, about hanging out with your friends and figuring out how to do that. on a That's what we're doing. We're working right now, yeah. but also we're hanging out with our friends. Um, but yeah, to your point, which I've now actually forgotten, which is great for this <laughs> podcast, right? <laughs> well, it's the big thing with manufacturing and, and getting people involved, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's like you said, the, the diversity is growing now. It's not just men. And the knowledge isn't sexist. Knowledge is whoever wants to learn it and whoever wants to be in it. And to me, that is absolutely fantastic. And I think you see it the same way. And then back to the part that I forgot about moving forward always um, to segue from your, your conversation is don't let technology bring fear. 
You know, there's a, there's a lot of people that will remain stagnant because it's comfortable, but we need to, as, as you said, at the very beginning of this, we need to be ripped from that comfort level and constantly move forward and learn the new technology and be a part of the new technology. The new technology, from, for what my opinion is worth, is not taking jobs. It is adding jobs. It's just removing the mundane so that we can be more creative and love our jobs even more. You got it. You got it 100%. 100%. So, Tony, with all that, I digress, and I know this podcast has been going on for a while, and there might be people that uh, maybe know me and everything else, and they're probably sitting there going, okay, you got the National Application Engineer for Harvey Performance Company. When's he going to be talking about flute count, codings, uh, toolpath, times diameter, uh, cutting a tool? I just broke four MLZ the other day. How do I stop that? Corner radiuses, center cutting, substrate. All that other stuff, which, you know, we could always get into at a later time and stuff like that. And I would love to join one of your podcasts as a little bit more educational uh, scenario. But I, I think the whole feel I've gotten from this today, and, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, is, is more of, you know, how do you get into the industry? How do you sustain yourself in the industry? What are some of the key things, you know, that, that we can take away from this industry? Why does it have to be boring? Why can't it be entertaining? You know, and, and uh, you know, what do I need to do to maybe do what you and Tony are doing? You know, how do, how do I get to a point where a company trusts me enough to do a, a podcast or where a company, a company trusts me enough to do some webinars or maybe that you don't need to be micromanaged. You know what I'm saying? And you can go out and, and, and do things freely that are going to benefit the company you work for, but yet let you sustain how much enjoyment you get out of doing it. Right. Like, like I said, I went to school for broadcasting, right? My company knows that they know I enjoy that. Right. They also know that I have a whopping a lot of knowledge on cutting tools and, and can help customers, you know, round and round and round. So they've allowed me to go, well, wait a minute. Why don't we just let Don do some training materials, let him educate, do some podcasts. We're actually coming out with right now. I'm creating a vlog, a five minute vlog. It's going to be very entertaining, to be honest with you. It's five minutes, hopefully one week release. It's based on a theme. Uh, I'm going to be coming out with that really soon. My company has allowed me to do stuff like this, which is just incredible. Again, which is why I've been here for so long and I really enjoy working for this company. But take what you love, bring it into your job, right? Bring it into your job. There's people like, let's say, in manufacturing um, that maybe geek out on drones, right? So if you have a hobby of a drone and you work for a manufacturing company, think about it. Right. Maybe if it's precision machining, maybe bring in some drone parts. Right. Maybe manufacture something on a side for the company that they could put on their website to sell to drone manufacturing. Or maybe you make something else. Maybe you, you know, do something on cars on the weekend and you, again, work for a precision machining company and you come up with a component that you think would be good to bring into that company. As long as that company you're working for recognizes it treats you with respect for it, appreciates what you've done, you know, mold the two together if you can, because it's just going to make life a lot easier. It's going to make time go a lot. And I know I mean this as a compliment, not a good thing. It's, it's going to make time go slower, not faster. 
I know it. that's what we want, right? Ultimately, if you're at a job and you say, oh, this day's going too slow, that's usually a sign that it sucks, right? I'm not just saying, <laughs> right? right? Right, But Time we, flies when you're having fun, they say. Yes. So what we need to do is have fun and not have time fly, right? We, we need to slow it down and have fun versus speeding it up and having fun. So I like when I'm at a customer, every time I get to go to a customer and spend time at the spindle, you know, I want that time to go as slow as possible because I'm enjoying it that much that I don't want to get out of there. I don't want to leave. I don't want that bell to ring. I don't want that guy to have to, you know, go off and do something else. I want to stay. I want to cut some material. I want to I enjoy that camaraderie. You know, I mean, that's, that's the key. And if, if you can do that in any job, you're going to be successful. hundred percent. Yeah, that's true. You know, that would segue me into a completely different topic <laughs> that I like to practice on my own with meditation and stuff, but you kind of said it living in the moment, you know, be in the moment you're with that customer in that moment. And that slows time down. Yep. You know, when we're, when we're living in the past or thinking about the future, that's when time starts to get all funky with us and, you know, other emotions get involved. But when you, when we can live in the moment, like you just described, time slows down and we can appreciate the people we're with all the time, completely different podcast for another day. Yep. But uh, you've definitely proven that. Um, Don, I was actually thinking, and I'm going to go ahead and throw this out here now because I want this idea to be on the podcast in case it works and in case people want to shoot us messages to say, yes, please do that. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned that this one is about awareness and fun and, and you know, humanizing the industry. You're absolutely correct. That's what the gun show is about. How can we how can we humanize this and, and have have a little fun with it? Can we talk technical? I know you can. <laughs> I, we're still we're still figuring out if I can, but I know you can. Oh, but what on. I was what I was thinking was, what if we hosted you and I a podcast, um, and it could be monthly, it could be biweekly, um, it, whatever time frame. But what if it was like a tooling podcast where people could actually log in, almost like we used to do those webinars, but people could actually log in to ask you questions. And we could have a couple of guys on there or, or gals on there. We could have your daughter. And we talk about tooling and people go, well, here's my specific question. Because to be fair, if I, went, if I allowed you to go off on a tangent right now about cutting tools, it would be almost endless because there's no specific question being brought. It's just, I know, you know, you know so much about it. We would go for another three hours on this podcast. But what would you think about bringing something together that's not quite webinar formatted so people are buying sandwiches and falling asleep, but to where we could be interactive and have a podcast style where people get to talk about what they want to talk about, but have the opportunity to direct you in a really helpful way for them? Tony, this, this is what I would say to you, okay? Because I'm already working on a few things with the Harvey Performance Company to, to do some of that in detail, okay? So with you, what I would love to do is be that expert for you on cutting tools. I would love to do that. And I would love to bring those things in on a regular basis as far as specific items. It's kind of kind of stealing a little bit of my thunder for our company. It's not in the same, it's not in the same format. You guys can't see me, but I can see Tony and he's laughing his hiney off right now, but he's kind of, kind of stealing my thunder for what we want to do with Harvey performance. And if Tony was paying attention and listening, I kind of said that at the beginning of the podcast. Oh, oh, did you that, do, oh, my bad. I thought yeah, it was a brand okay, new idea. Dan. Okay, Dan. 
But but what I'm what I'm saying, Tony, is I will go on anybody's platform to educate them from what I know in that science theory experience of cutting tools, because every platform has different listeners, right? It's it's almost like uh, different uh, uh, distributors, right? One distributor might be in one account, but he's not in these three, right? So you might have to go to another distributor to get in those three because that distributor is not in there, right? It's the same thing with these educational podcasts, your podcast, whether it be uh, John Saunders or Titan Gilroy or whatever, or ours or anybody's podcast, you, there's different audiences. Everybody's going to have different audiences. So why not make sure that every audience that wants to ask a question, if they're not on one or the other, be able to get those answers. So the long answer to you is, Yes, I would I would love to get on and answer questions specifically to cut in tools from all those things I said and answer those questions. The short answer would be don't steal my thunder, buddy, because I know where you live. <laughs> you, you got me. <laughs> I was getting ready to say, didn't mean to steal your thunder, but you beat me to no, that but, one. You beat me to that one too. Th does that make sense? Does that make sense? It, well, uh, it makes perfect sense. I am going to expect you to join me at least once or twice every single week. I would love to. Love to. <laughs> love to. Kidding, kidding, Listen. kidding. I know your schedule's full, but the idea I think is great. And you're right. Uh, questions come from everywhere in all sorts of different areas. Yes, they they do. They do. And I and I think that is going to be when you start getting in the weeds, right? That's when that's when somebody's going to be able to ask a question. We're going to answer it. And then there's going to be 50 other people going, I have the same problem, right? I, I, you know, I'm having that same issue. My corners are getting blown out every time I run Hastaloy, you know, at that axial depth. How do I stabilize that cutter a little bit better? Here's another one I'm going to throw out there. And let's throw a teaser to everybody, okay? Because you know what's big right now? And you know what's really popular right now? And I'll mention this, tap testing, right? Tap testing. Have you heard right. that? Yeah, tap have, testing. Yeah. And I'm actually doing the little bunny quotes when I say tap testing. Well, Harvey Performance Company actually has the full version tap tester. I actually have it at my house. I am pretty versed in tap testing. Now, me personally, I kind of take things a little bit differently. Remember when I said the science theory and experience? Okay. So I looked at tap testing a little bit different than the scientists. Okay. I took everything I know about cutting tools and I took tap testing and I had this huge theory on this. You see that? I took the science, I took the experience and now I have a theory, right? And I'm going, I'm going to prove this out, but there, there is some things with that that I would love to educate the, the, the public on from experience and my thoughts of tap testing, where to use it, how to use it, when to use it, and, and what to expect from it, right? And, uh, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this out there right now because I'm, I'm working on, you know, my own thing and, and the, you know, not a podcast, but it's basically going to be called, you know, I got a name for it right now, Tony, so I'm going to launch it so it's going to be trademarked. It's actually called No Bullshit. Nicely done. No Bullshit. The Cutting Tools Explained. No Bullshit. And, and basically what I mean with that is we have a lot of smart guys. I've stood in front of spindles with guys that have looked at me and said, you're full crap. You know what I mean? Because they have experience, right? They, they have, they've, they've done it. And, and we can do one or two things from an educator. We can take that and go, you're a jerk. Or we can go, we'll keep talking. 
what, what happened when you did that, right? What, what happened when you did that? Well, when I did that, I broke out the corners and went, okay, well, well you, you know, if you can take what the machinist has done and use their experience, just like you're using my experience, and then take that experience and throw it onto your experience, you see where I'm going with this? This is a trickle down effect. You can never discount anything. And, and when you ever work with me and I'm at the spindle, I, I, the minute somebody gets confrontational to me because they're not buying what I'm selling, I start diving in it. Tell me more. Tell me why you feel that way. You know, it's almost like being a shrink. Dr. Don, here we go. That's it. I'm, I'm a cutting, a cutting to a counselor is the way I look at it, Tony. You, you have to you know, tell me how you feel about that, right? How do you feel about that? Well, when I ran that, I had this. Okay, what well, coolant? Well, you know, what was the spindle? And you can start taking that experience and making it your own experience. And uh, I think that's great about this industry. But uh, I also want to explain it personally to the industry, as in, you know, and I think we had this conversation before we got on. I, I'd love to explain it to the industry as, uh, listen, there's really no wrong way to machine something. There's just better ways, right? There's better ways to machine something. And there's really no wrong way. And what I mean by that, and somebody might be on, on you know, listening to this and going, what do you mean? If I'm breaking end mills, that's the wrong way to do it. You know, well, of course it's the wrong, but if you're okay, if you have one part and you're okay with breaking three end mills because you're getting 30 grand for the part and the end mills cost you 65 bucks. If you're okay with that to get the part out the door, then is it wrong? You, you, you see what I'm saying? Is it wrong? It might not be the most efficient way to do it. It might not be, there might be a better way to do it, but maybe that part's got to be out by five o'clock and end mills, new end mills won't show up till tomorrow. So in that case, if you're asking me and I had my own shop for 10 years, breaking 10 end mills might've been the right way because I couldn't wait, right? And, and maybe you need to get the educate. So even breaking end mills might not be, <laughs> that's a roundabout way. Everybody's going, wow, this guy's no, no bullshit. You're telling me. Yeah. <laughs> but, I think, it, I think it makes sense though, Don. And, and a lot of the people in our industry, we, we hold our cards close to our chest a lot of times and don't really want to share some of the secrets. But in my experience, every time I've shared knowledge that I've known, I've only received even greater knowledge. Yep. Um, and so I, I do my very best to be as transparent and authentic as I can with all of my dealings. And it's only seemed to compound the information that I've received in return. So, yeah, um, like you say, there's you're going to break some end mills. That's how you yep. learn. But once you do that, share that information with others. And maybe we don't have to sell the, you know, the proprietary rights of everything, but let's discuss it. Let's talk with one another and let's do it in a way that's informational and beneficial for everyone involved. Yeah. Yeah. And that feedback, I mean, think about it. We're in the industry of making great cutting tools, you know, at Harvey Performance. We're, we're the industry to make great cutting tools. So without the feedback from our customers, you know, and different materials, and there's different material grades that are popping up all the time, you know, without that feedback, we can't continue to progress with, with the, with the R and D on these, uh, on these uh, tools. So we need that feedback. We have open forums. We have ideas at, at harveyperformance.com where people can just, and a lot of people don't know that. It's just ideas at harveyperformance.com where you can actually say, hey, I got an idea for a tool or I got an idea for something. You can put that in. We'll take those suggestions seriously and see if there's some kind of merit to whether or not that's something we need to do or create. So 
it's it's just great to it, it's a great community it's a great industry um like i said all my friends i'd almost say all my friends i can pretty much say at this point are in the industry so that tells you tells you how great this industry is and then you go well what about your siblings and all that well my siblings are in the industry too as well so there you go i love it and and what you said is full of knowledge always done and it's cool that your siblings are in the industry and your friends are in the industry and your your life is in the industry and you are a, a, an amazing advocate for you know not just cutting tools but being genuine human beings so uh, I, I'm that, grateful. Man. I'm grateful to know you. I'm grateful to learn from you. I'm grateful you're on this podcast. Um, typically, to close out the show, I'll ask, what is the advice you would give for someone who's either unaware, but maybe could be aware of the of what we do here or someone who's curious about how to get into the industry? Like what advice? But you've given so much today. There, there's no way you've given all your wisdom away already, have you? Tony, I'm going to give you the one most important thing that one mentor, and I'm going to mention his name, not sure if he's actually going to listen to this, and I, and I wish he would. His name is John Oyer, okay? He actually works at Anchor right now. He gave me the one single bit of advice that was the best for my whole career, okay? Have you ever heard of anything called the red face test? Other than just being embarrassed or eating something too spicy, I don't think so. <laughs> There's something that he told me called a red face test. And what that means, anything you do in this industry, any opportunity, anything you jump at, anything you do at the machine, anything you do with your job, if you can explain it to somebody else without getting a red face, you did the right thing. I like that a lot. Makes a ton of sense. Best advice I ever got. So everything I do, like, listen, this podcast, it, I, you know, I'm asking for forgiveness on this one, you know, because I, I do respect my company a lot, you know, but red face test, right? I took the red face test before I did this podcast, you know, because I have to explain this to my boss, <laughs> Jerry Gleisner, by the way, he'll be listening. He's a great guy too. I, I talked about Pete Jenkins, but Jerry's a great guy too. And I'm happy to have him as a boss, but I can explain, you know, things I do without getting a red face. And if I can go through my, my mind with that process and go, can I explain what I just did, whether it's programming something, whether it's going out to a machine, hitting the cycle start, whether it's grabbing a piece of scrap and putting it in to run a test part, whether it's um, taking time off to do, if you can explain that, to somebody else without getting a red face, then I'm telling you, I'm telling you from my heart, you did the right thing. Fantastic, fantastic advice. So for all of you listeners out there, this is Don the Dr. Grant, <laughs> <laughs> the National Application Engineer at Harvey Performance. Don, thank you so much. I really, truly appreciate your time. I hope your bosses love this podcast as well. And uh, I hope the world enjoys everything that you've had to say today. You've been, you've been great guests. I appreciate that, Tony. Anytime, have me back and we'll talk cutting tools. Sounds good, brother. All right. Take care, buddy. You too.